Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'd say we've got a ton to cover today, and we kind of do. It's reverse chronological lightning round Monday. We got to go through the weekend, and we've got a streaming gr- guide. That's up a word in the first 30 seconds of a podcast. Get it together, Dan. But, but, from a streaming standpoint, and you guys heard this on Friday's show, ad nauseum, talked about it a few times, probably shouldn't be doing any streaming today unless you got somebody getting hurt. And unfortunately, there are a few of those guys, and we'll talk about them a little bit later on in the show. Welcome to the pod, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. A Sports Ethos presentation. Thank you again to everybody that continues to listen here, even as we sort of tick into the, call it the slightly slower season, because leagues are ending. Leagues are ending. We are, what are we, four weeks? Yeah, four weeks from the end of the regular season, which means head-to-head leagues are ending. Teams have been eliminated from the playoffs. I hope that you guys all made the playoffs, but I realize that's perhaps a bit uh pie in the sky e i mean it doesn't have doesn't work for everybody i got a couple teams that didn't make the playoffs one actually one that didn't make the playoffs it just sometimes the things don't align sometimes the stars don't align so to those of you that are hanging around with us here thank you especially to the new folks that found me on twitter and then have come and hopped over to the pod side your listenership is very much appreciated, and I hope you'll stick with us long-term here. I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. I'd love to talk to you guys more over there. Uh, trying to do a lot of stuff on social media these days. It's been uh, a fairly concerted effort, as many of you probably noticed. Uh, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball, uh, because that's still the easiest way to find me. But let's dive straight into the reverse chronological lightning round. For those that are uninitiated, we just go backwards through the weekend, cover every game that happened, kind of reset things for all 30 teams. We'll try to do it in a half hour. That'll be the goal. 30 teams, 30 minutes starting now. New York lost in Brooklyn. No Kyrie Irving, and he's out for a couple of ball games here. Brooklyn has some home games coming up. It's a real mess as per usual. I think he only has like five games of road eligibility left the rest of the way. I do wonder if this is going to spill over into next season. There are going to be variants of COVID. What what are the rules? Cities dialed things back. Will private side dial things back? Will it get dialed back up at some point? Looking down the line a bit here, but we don't have time for that right now. Evan Fournier got warm again, and if he's about to go on a heater, this would be one of those weird little moments where you kind of have to catch yourself and say, okay, do I bother? Because the Knicks are off today and tomorrow, so from a head-to-head side, things are not great for New York, although the schedule does pick up a little bit after that, in that they do have a 5-7 starting next Tuesday, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, March the 22nd. Will he even still be hot at that point? Mitch Robinson's been playing well. He had some foul stuff in this one, so his minutes were down a little bit. Taj Gibson was not the guy who picked him up. They just ran kind of small, but he's been good, other than the free-throw shooting. And then uh, Emmanuel Quickly was the other guy we were paying attention to. He slowed down considerably here. Still had seven boards, four assists, a steal. Just couldn't get the shots to go in. And I think I'd stick with him, certainly in a roto format. You know, with the Knicks kind of weird schedule this week, the clunkiness of it, the three games just Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, the high traffic days. I get it if that's not something you want to deal with. Roto side, he probably does make sense because two days off isn't that big of a deal. 
But if he does start to hit the skids and slow down a little bit, you know uh, that Tibbs will just pull the plug immediately. So a lot of stuff to keep an eye on with New York, but because they're off for two days, I don't think you make much in the way of moves. LaMarcus Aldridge was ruled out for a few extra ball games. We knew that was going to happen. His hip stuff is well-documented and long-term. So as soon as they were like, oh, yeah, he's going to miss two games, and then we're going to reevaluate. Yeah, he ain't come back after two games. KD had 53 in this one, which didn't leave a whole lot for everybody else, but Andre Drummond is a start as long as LaMarcus Aldridge is out. Bruce Brown appears to just be a start, regardless of what's going on around him. And then Goran Dragic is the other guy that's worth keeping an eye on, not because I like his fantasy game, but because Brooklyn is one of the very few teams that does have an early week three games in four nights opportunity because they go back-to-back tomorrow and Wednesday, and then they play again on Friday, which I get it. Wednesday, Friday, those are the high-traffic days, but they're one of only two teams that plays three times between Tuesday and Friday. Phoenix is the other one, and Phoenix, most of the streaming options are already collected. Brooklyn, there are streaming options left. James Johnson is one of them. He's been picking up decent minutes for them. Uh, Brooklyn, by the way, is in Orlando, so Kyrie does play in that game tomorrow, but then they're home for the two after that. So you got to figure Goran Dragic, maybe in Orlando, his minutes might be down in the mid-20s, but Dallas and Portland, those two games, he's probably going to see minutes in the 30s. And James Johnson probably sees minutes near 30, at least in the games, again, that Kyrie's not around. They don't trust that many other guys on that team. Nick Claxton is a possible streaming option. I don't think we see Aldridge this week. I'd be very surprised if he was back this week. I mean, maybe he's back for that Friday game, but that would blow me away. The only other problem here, of course, is that you do have to move on from any Brooklyn net you pick up after Friday. That's the latest. So if you're long streaming there, I know I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. It really is just a four-day maximum stream because then they're off two days. They play Monday, Wednesday of the following week, and then they're off two days again. So Brooklyn's schedule is good, but really only for a short pocket here. Four days is kind of the shortest long stream we like to do. That's effectively our short stream. Keep an eye on it. Clippers finishing up a five-game and seven-day situation uh, tonight. So they're resting a couple of guys. Reggie Jackson is going to get this one off. Marcus Morris is taking this one off, which means that's more opportunity. Do we see Terrence Mann get flopped back into the starting lineup? Maybe. I don't think Luke Kennard does. Seems like they like bringing him off the bench. Amir Coffey's been starting, so he probably gets to do, to do a little bit more. Nick Batum will be asked to do a little bit more. Basically, anybody who's still around is going to get asked to do a little bit more, which means you got kind of a one-day thing for the Clippers here. Also of note, Clippers' schedule isn't good this week. They go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and that's it. So I wouldn't use a head-to-head move to replace those guys. If you can do Roto same day, that might be the, the time to look at it. Roto next day, no. And at this point, like, if you've got some Clippers on your team, you just have to hope you have the ones that aren't skipping. Because then it, it becomes a two-game week for them. That's brutal. I know they had a good one, and we set ourselves up for it with the 5-7. and seven, But, you know, when your team is pretty much locked into a play-in spot, they're in, Clippers aren't going anywhere. They can afford to just kind of schedule an L. That team plays so damn hard. They might beat Cleveland anyway. Wouldn't say schedule L, but a scheduled rest. Detroit, not much in the way of surprises there. Marvin Bagley's just going to be decent until Isaiah Stewart comes back. Everything else is about the same. Cade, Jeremy, Sadiq Bay, they're all fine. Onward and upward. 
Dallas beat Boston. Celtics just couldn't score. It's a good defensive game. It's two good defensive teams. Sometimes you see that and then you're like, well, the game's probably going to be weirdly high scoring offensively. No, this one did play into the strengths of the two ball clubs. And uh, so it, it tamped down fantasy stuff. Luka was good. Dorian Finney-Smith was good. Jalen Brunson played 37 minutes. About the nicest things we can say about his line. Spencer Dinwiddie played 37 minutes. Kind of also the nicest thing we can say about his fantasy line. Those guys are on the bubble when they're both healthy. Reggie Bullock sat this one out. Uh, but he's been a drop anyway. And Maxi Kleba, 13 rebounds and three blocks. Strange fantasy line there. Dallas, yeah. I mean, I, you know, if you want to drop Brunson and Dinwiddie, that's fine. I've, you know, Spencer, we know his fantasy game is not all that great for nine cat. He's better suited for points leagues. Jalen Brunson needs more usage. That's where we're at with him. Dinwiddie getting more activity has really has hurt Brunson. As we kind of thought it would. It didn't immediately, but then as things have settled in. I don't know that Brunson's a guy you need to hang on to anymore. He's been pretty quiet lately because his fantasy game is not that deep. So if he's not getting the shots to sort of, let's say, the, to float it, but to kind of inject life into his good percentages, then what good are they? Low-volume, decent percentages is not enough to make the fantasy game. And then assist was going to be his other thing, but Luca's back, and Dinwiddie's getting the other ones. I think we can safely stream the Derek White spot on the Boston side, too. He's not a guy you need to hang on to. we got enough data on that now to say that's indeed the case. Moving quickly here. Philly is in, uh, was, excuse me, beat Orlando, 116-114. Joel Embiid, they're expecting he and James Harden to get some rest games coming up. Uh, Philadelphia has a pretty robust schedule here. They play the back-to-back. They've got Denver tonight. Will they sit it out? We don't actually have confirmation that of that as I record this show right now. And then they go Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Those guys are certainly good enough to leave in your lineup anyway. And they start the following week with the game on Monday as well. So the schedule's not bad. A rest day is annoying, but it wouldn't completely detonate everything. Tobias Harris bounced back, got 18 shots in this one, played better. We knew he was going to come around. He's not going to be the guy he was. He's not going to be a top 50 asset with James Harden on the team, but he wasn't going to be like a top 140 asset either. We saw the floor. And Tyrese Maxey is on the other side of this coin. You knew he wasn't going to be as good as he was. This game, by the way, went into overtime if you're looking at the weird, the gigantic playing time numbers. That's why we talk about buy lows and sell highs. You just look for really easy regressions, and then you try to beat them. Jalen Suggs sprained an ankle. He was not playing. I mean, he actually was playing a slightly better ballgame in this one, uh, but had been playing pretty pretty poorly before that. Markel Fultz had cut into his stuff. Cole Anthony seems to have now kind of re-solidified himself as the, the main playmaker in the starting unit. So start Cole Anthony, certainly as long as Suggs is out, but it seems like you can probably start him even when he's back. Mo Bamba didn't have a good ball game, but he played 33 minutes, and that's all I'm looking at there. Same story with Franz Wagner here. So Wagner, Bamba, Cole Anthony, Wendell Carter Jr. Chumo Kiki's one that I got a bunch of questions on Twitter about. When guys like Chuma, who rely heavily on, on two steals and you know .8 blocks a game or whatever, if they don't get those for a couple of ball games, their value falls off a cliff, sort of Herb Jones syndrome this year and plenty of other players over the years have been that same way he's a guy my take on that and i mean you can look at mo bamba as well he's a guy that his minutes were fluctuating some of the stats were fluctuating this happens to fantasy players that are not inside the top 30 
to all of them. The way you get into the top 25, effectively a first two-round kind of guy, is your bad games happen like once every three or four weeks and no one ever even remembers them. You can find them. Go through game logs of any of those guys in the top 25. You'll find the one game, the anomaly, every 15, you're just like, oh, wow, what happened in that one? And you remember it when it happens. You might even remember them now. I'm looking at Trey Young as I say that. There was that game, I think it was in, like last week, recent, game where he shot like three for 23 or some ridiculous thing like that. Like, oh, man, that was, oh, right, yeah, I remember that. That's how you get in those top 25. You have one bad game out of a whole bunch. Everybody else from 30 until the end of the list has bad games all the time. Bad weeks, bad two-week stretches all the time. I got so many questions about dropping Mo Bamba, and I just kept saying, hold, hold, hold. His fantasy game is too good that when you're seeing the floor and you settled at the floor, that's the part that breaks a lot of people. When Mo Bamba had that big downturn and he was quiet for like a whole month, one good game every four, one good game every five, every three, whatever it was, and a bunch of quiet ones in between, there was a lot of dumpage going on there. And I get it from a head-to-head side. You really need the pile-up numbers. But even, and Mo Bamba's number 57 in nine-cat leagues this year. That's pretty freaking high. That's the end of the fifth round. And he had a whole month in the begin, in the middle of the season where he was just down. It happens. We're going to abandon ship or there's going to be a desire in the fantasy community to abandon ship on players like that quicker if they're not guys that got drafted high. John Collins is number 51. C.G. McCollum is number 50. Those guys are right around Mo Bamba. No one ever asked if we should drop those guys when they had a down week, down two weeks, or whatever it might have been, because of an established name. So I get it. This is a phenomenon that happens every year with many players. Good fantasy players have bad months. Unfortunately, if that happens during your fantasy playoffs, that can be a struggle. And that's kind of what was happening with Chumo Kiki. He had a down, I think it was about a week and a half, two weeks, where he just sort of wasn't doing anything. He was a little better in this ballgame here, but still only 20 minutes. In Roto, I would continue to advise a hold. Because these guys come back. We know what they can do. We've seen their fantasy stat set. Head-to-head, you got to move on you got to move on it's the playoffs you do what you got to do it's sort of a different beast right now and orlando's schedule sucks they play two games between now and sunday sunday tuesday wednesday of next week is kind of their one little bastion of playoff scheduling hope so if you want to punt on chumo kiki i don't care in a head-to-head roto i would still advise a hold but i again i don't really care i don't really care you got to do what you got to do if you're way behind in games played I mean, at least he's playing, but if you're hunting some other stat, whatever it might be, you do what you got to do. This time of the year, I'm here to point you in the direction of interesting streamers, of scheduling situations. We'll talk strategy. Anyway, Memphis beat Oklahoma City. Brandon Clark was good again, so he's bounced back. He had a bad couple of weeks after he got poked in the eye. But, (sighs) deep sigh. I come bearing unfortunate news. No, it's not that John Morant is now in the fourth round on the year. After his torrid stretch, he's tumbled down a little bit. The bad news is, DeAnthony Melton is no longer someone you need to start in your fantasy league. And even in, for stretch, there have been plenty of times this year where he wasn't someone you need to start in your fantasy league. He's been in and out of 
playable throughout the season. Number 130 overall. So if you add him the entire year, he hasn't gotten there. He's been more durable this season, which is good. He's played in 60 of their ballgames. And so by totals, his number will be elevated. But it's kind of a false elevation. It's propped up by durability. We've talked many times. So those of you that are joining us here kind of late in the season, newer podcast listeners, we'll talk more about this as we approach fantasy draft season. Durability is really important in the top 50. I could even argue in the top 75. Once you get outside that, durability is a little bit of a joke. It's kind of it's kind of fake fantasy value. I don't need a top 130 guy who's been super durable. I'd rather have like a top 95 guy and I'll just rotate different bodies into that spot throughout the year. I'd rather stream that, you know? So that's the difference there. Dylan Brooks is back. He played 26 minutes in his return. He's an add and a start in all formats. If he's out there, he's probably been picked up already because this happened over the weekend. DeAnthony Melton is likely a drop. If you want to give him one more ball game, more power to you. I don't think you need to in head-to-head right now. Memphis' schedule is just a three-game week, so what are you really waiting on anyway there? Their schedule the rest of the way is bad. Memphis, three, 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 and then four the last week when everybody should be done anyway. They do have a three and four in the middle of next week. Three games and four nights. That's the only spot you should use anyone fringy on the Grizz. And DeAnthony Melknight, believe now, has fallen past the fringe. On the OKC side, Shea's an easy one. We don't need to talk about him. Darius Baisley had a big ball game. 29 points, 10 rebounds, missed a bunch of free throws, but did make his shots. And you could certainly look his direction. OKC's got a good schedule. They play five times in the next eight days, starting tonight. Four times this week. They played a back-to-back yesterday, today, so that was an opportunity to squeeze in an end-of-week game last week and a start-of-week game this time around. I don't like Baisley for Roto. You guys know that. He's, the bad tends to outweigh the good, but he's been fine lately. And I believe Aaron Wiggins has already been ruled out, so that just continues to keep things open up. The thing that surprised me in this ballgame is Isaiah Roby disappeared. He played 16 minutes, had 6 points, 4 rebounds. I'm going to live with it another game or two, see if this becomes a thing or if he was just sort of off. They're like, ah, we'll go another direction. We'll go Lindy Waters. Lindy Waters, ladies and gentlemen, if you had that one, complete the bingo scorecard. No, I'm not picking him up. I'm not picking up a Trey Mann, who actually does have a path here. And I'll say the other one, Alexei Pokashevsky, I'll, I'll, I'll qualify it with, if you're in a dynasty league, you can probably just stick with it. But redraft, he's not a guy you have to hold either. Although the four-game week, you can just kind of ride it out. Indiana, things are pretty easy there right now. Uh, no Chris Duarte, no Malcolm Brogdon, which I guess does shake things up a little bit. Uh, means a ton of Tyrese Halliburton. He's going to have a, a colossal few games until Brogdon comes back, if he comes back. Isaiah Jackson, every game he just gets a little bit better at staying out of foul trouble. It'll it'll pop up again, no question about it. But 12 and 15 with a steal and two blocks. I mean, the, uh, the upside on this kid is just ridiculous. Jalen Smith, also a guy you need to be starting. He's been very good off the bench for them. It's the same story. And then with no Duarte, you're going to see kind of a mishmash. Dwayne Washington played well in this one, so that was the guy. If you rolled the dice there, O'Shea Brissett's going to get more shots, but meh, only eight anyway. I'm not going Brissett. I'm not going Taylor. I'm not going Washington. Smith, Halliburton, Jackson, Heal. Those are the guys you start while Brogdon and Duarte are out. And then whichever of those two guards comes back first, then you're good to go. Duarte comes back first, you can start him. If Brogdon comes back first, you start him. If they both come back, it's Brogdon. 
pretty obvious, I guess. Gallo filled in for John Collins, but now he's been ruled out for tonight. They're both out for tonight's ballgame. I have to think DeAndre Hunter is going to get 13, 14 shots, so he's a decent stream. The center position, I really don't know. They've got they hot-handed a little bit. Capella had some foul stuff in this game, but they very much hot-handed between he and Okongwu. And you know the Hawks are going to be trying to get off of Capella's extension probably in the offseason, which I believe is the first time they can do it officially. That would make Okongwu a very interesting player for next year, but you'd be taking a... Uh, You'd be playing a guy who doesn't have fantasy value about two-thirds of the time to get there. I think in the meantime, you could still go Capella because he's starting. You can go Bogdan Bogdanovich because he's been good. And then basically, if either of Gallo or John Collins is in there, you play them at power forward. If neither is in there, I don't know that much changes. Maybe there's enough to say you could start Kevin Herter in that instance. But you guys know I'm kind of down on Herter, Hunter, that contingent, just kind of quiet fantasy lines. Not a lot there. Not too well-rounded. I'd rather probably just leave this thing alone. Both power forwards are out. Meh. You know, if you've already got one, fine. You know, play with it. But whatever. Atlanta four-game week. You take what you can get here at the front end. Maybe you make an adjustment partway through. Christian Wood came back and was not good. But it did push Alper and Shengun back to the bench, where he can go back to basically being a non-factor Jalen Green continues to play well. That's kind of it. Jalen Green, Christian Wood. Those are the only Rockets you can trust on a night-to-night basis, and in this one, Wood wasn't good either. Jose Alvarado, huge game for New Orleans off the bench. I don't believe you can expect that type of thing will happen again. We know he's a hustling guy, so he's going to get his steals, especially against bad uh, teams. Well, Houston's bad, but also very bad at taking care of the basketball, so that's great for Alvarado. I trust... Valanchunas, obviously, that's an easy one. Uh, Jackson Hayes is back up over the, the hump with Ingram and McCollum out. When those guys come back, he probably disappears again. Same story with Devontae Graham. He's a guy you can use until Ingram and McCollum come back. Really, I don't know if you could even use Graham if one of those guys is out. Maybe. In Roto's side, you can, you can use him while both are out, and then you could feel it out a little bit as guys return Pels don't have a good schedule this week. They play Tuesday, and then they're off until Friday. That's strange little pocket there. They go Friday, Sunday, Monday, and then they're off for a couple days again, and then have another three games and four nights chunk at the end of next week. If you're in head-to-head, the bad schedule should do the trick by itself. You shouldn't have to worry about it, because McCollum might be back by that Saturday game if he's playing, if he's feeling well enough. And I think Ingram might be back around then, too. It's supposed to be checked in on towards the end of the week. You can probably go Herb Jones. He wasn't good in this ballgame. He's been a little bit better lately. Najee Marshall has been okay. He's had a couple of decent ball games in a row. I don't think that I have the, the stones to trust it. Not with the bad schedule, you know? Roto side, what's the point? Like, you could get caught with your pants down. One of these guys just doesn't play much. And then head-to-head the bad schedule, so probably leave it alone outside of Graham, where you can look at it, and Hayes, where you're like, okay, these guys are starting. We know what they can do when they get starters minutes, and they would have gotten more if this wasn't a blowout, and then roll with it from there. Lakers embarrassed themselves again. LeBron James is questionable for the Lakers game against Toronto later on tonight. If he plays, uh, that means less for Malik Monk and Carmelo Anthony and those types, but they're still good to go while Anthony Davis remains out. 
Austin Reeves is another guy we talked about as a, a long streamer to pick up yesterday. Lakers are in the middle of a five and seven stretch. This is game two of their five games and seven nights that started on Sunday with this one here. Lakers Suns. That was the beginning of that run. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would, you know, I'm not making a move today. Even if we find out LeBron is out, I don't think I'm making a move today on anybody that he didn't already have. So Monk, Mello, we should have had just anyway in all formats. And then Reeves was the guy that you could have picked up for the five games and seven. And if you have him already, great. If LeBron sits, you're like, all right, a little bit more for Austin to do. Uh, if you don't, we just don't, don't. I'll get to this later on, but from a streaming standpoint, you really kind of want to leave today alone. Phoenix blowout game, so kind of throw this thing out. Payne still had 11 assists. Crowder's been bouncing back. That's good. Aaron Holiday played bigger minutes off the bench in a blowout. Blah, blah, blah. We don't we need to worry about any of that stuff. Uh, remind you guys to hang out with our buddies over at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app available at the iTunes store for Apple devices and the Android devices as well. I don't have an Android device, but it wasn't obvious by how confused I get whenever I talk about what you can do with an Android device. Am I an idiot? It's possible. Am I just sort of an old man at times? A little bit. Try not to be with electronics, but a little bit. Point is, it's props. It's prop bets, guys. Who do you think is going to do big stuff tonight? Steph? You think Braun's going to do big stuff if he plays? Trey? Jokic, Cat, Levine, DeRozan, Donovan Mitchell, Giannis. A lot of superstars playing tonight, by the way. Great night to talk about Thrive Fantasy because Thrive Fantasy is built on an over and under engine. You log into your account, sign up with promo code ETHOS, E T H O S, easy, five letters, E T H O S. Get your 100% deposit match bonus. Get your $20 contest entry vouchers. You get two of them with your first deposit of as little as 10 bucks, And enter a contest. And then you just get to pick. It's like taking a survey. They give you 20 questions. You can choose 10 of them. 10 players. Do you think they're going to go over or under? A set number. You think Donovan Mitchell's going to have a big game hosting Milwaukee? I'm not that great at this type of stuff, picking out what a game might be, but if you know matchups a little bit, if you know storylines a little bit, make your picks. If your 10 picks are good, you rack up points. Roll it all together at the end of the night if you have the most points or certainly up there among the higher scores. You win cash over at thrivefantasy.com in the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up with promo code ETHOS. Get that 100% deposit match bonus. Get those $20 contest entry tickets. Put $10 into the piggy bank and you get 60 that you end up able to play with. $10 match and $40 in those contest entry tickets. It's an amazing way to crack into ThriveFantasy.com. Would strongly suggest you do it. Gave out a bunch of prizes related to them last week. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you want to get in on the fun. Join me. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, if you're interested in that stuff. By the way, also, recruiting on Twitter. A lot of you reached out recruiting here, and a new one to add to the list. We are looking for folks that want to be more involved on the video side of the equation. We've been a bit quiet in that regard here at Sports Ethos. We're looking to expand that element. So if you think you're a fantasy expert, if you've been listening to this show for a long time, you probably are by now. 
and you want to crack into the field in a new way, hit me up. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. You got to follow me so I can DM you. We'll talk about it. See if it's a fit. Should be fun. Turn the clock back to Saturday. We've covered a little more than half the league. My goal of doing this in a half an hour is completely out the window, but we'll keep rumbling along here. Uh, Only thing on the Minnesota side, if anybody in the backcourt or the wings sits, Malik Beasley gets 30 minutes and is streamable. Bingo, bango. Sounds like Jimmy Butler wants to play for the Heat, so anything weird going on there, you can just throw out the window. Great. Boom. Knock two more teams off the board. Easy peasy. Quick ones. Love a quick one. Love it. And no, I don't care that Nas Reed had a nice ball game. You guys know I like Nas Reed's fantasy game, but Cat actually needs to be physically out for that to matter. Spurs sat everybody in their Saturday ball game, and so you got a big game out of Jock Landale, which is very much a made-up name for a basketball player, but he's also a real person. Uh, Spurs are, are goofy. DeJounte Murray's very much a go. Jakob Pertl is a go. Devin Vassell's been kind of meh. Talked about the Spurs having a good fantasy schedule towards the end of last year. Remember, they had a back-to-back Friday, Saturday. They go four times this week. So if you pick someone up, that does give you the flexibility. If you want to just ride them on a four-game week, like a Devin Vassell, if you had him, you shouldn't do anything with him, provided he plays in these games. And I think most of the regulars do, because they don't have a back-to-back this week. So there isn't that Greg Popovich thing looming. And they don't have a back-to-back until the last two days of the regular season. So hopefully that means they just play their regulars out. They might accidentally end up in the playoffs if the Lakers suck too hard. It's a possibility. Cleveland, um, when did the Jared Allen news break? That might have been after we did our Friday show. Jared Allen is out indefinitely. Hand fracture. Sucks. Doesn't change much, unfortunately, for the fantasy standpoint. You just keep removing bodies from this team, and it, nobody's really picking up the slack. They just sort of get progressively worse on offense. Evan Mobley slid up. Kevin Love slid into the starting lineup, depending on what position on the floor you actually have them playing. Uh, Darius Garland took 24 shots inefficiently. I've got to believe that as I look at this team, because they've gotten really shallow... Larry Markinen sat this one out, too. He's a game-time decision for tonight. If he's back, Markinen ends up as a big beneficiary here because he's going to have to take more shots. I don't trust Osman coming off the bench. It's just not consistent enough. And the Cavs, by the way, we've you've already missed the front end. Remember, they were a six games in nine days kind of team, so this would have been the spot. And they go four times the first six days of this week. But I don't want you using moves today on this stuff. This is mostly this reverse chronological lightning round is to set you up for a plan. But also, if you're looking at moves on these guys that we're talking about, it's mostly Rotoe or basically any league that doesn't have a moves games cap. On the Chicago side, Alex Caruso is back, ladies and gentlemen. The GOAT returns 29 minutes, five defensive stats, add and start, all formats. Chicago only has a three game week, so that stinks. And you might have to move on from someone fringy on the Bulls on Saturday if you're in a very tight matchup. Sadly, no one has a back-to-back over the weekend, so you'd be only getting one bonus move there before the Bulls actually go back to a pretty good schedule after that. They go six games and nine starting on Monday of next week. But also, if you're in a dogfight, you have to do something about it. Zach Levine sat this one out, so that was relevant. That gave a little bit more opportunity to guys like Tosumu, Caruso, Javante Green, 
Kobe White, who moved into the starting lineup. Levine's going to be annoying the rest of the way because he's nursing injuries. They want to not overdo it with him, keep him sort of playoff ready. So if he's even a little bit dinged up, they'll probably sit him. So that's going to be a pain for fantasy enthusiasts. But Caruso must start. I think the guys that suffer when Levine comes back, it's less Caruso because he didn't need to take many shots. Same thing with Dasunmu. He ends up with a lot of assists. Kobe White, Javante Green, those are the guys that are going to take the slightly bigger hits and probably fall back to the wrong side of startable. Warriors beat the Bucks in a high-scoring game. Klay Thompson caught fire. Did that against the Lakers. Remember, it's been a little while. Kind of had a downturn here, but this was vintage Clay. Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Wiggins questionable, he's got a cold, and uh, Steph, big time off game here, didn't need him, the other guys did it, he distributed Steph with 8 assists, Draymond Green makes his return for the Warriors tonight, 20 to 23 minutes is the expectation, so if you were rolling with anyone like Kevon Looney or Jonathan Kaminga, don't, Warriors also play Monday, Wednesday, Sunday of this week, brutal, they go 5 times in 7 days starting on Tuesday of next week, which, by the way, that's going to be better for their fringe guys than their starters because you can bet your butt that Steph, Clay, those guys, I mean, Clay, we know is going to sit out two of them. Steph will sit out at least one. Wiggins will sit out one. Dre will sit out probably two. That's when you can look at really moving on the Warriors, but that's next Tuesday. I know we're doing long streaming stuff, and we're only going to do it two days here, but that's the stuff to look forward to. Brooke Lopez makes his return for the Bucks. That's coming up. Interesting note. We don't have a, a uh, an actual number of minutes expected for Brooke, but he'll be back in the lineup. My guess is he comes off the bench, plays about 15 minutes, so probably not a guy you pick up in head-to-head. Roto, you could add him and then wait a week and hope that you get three weeks of startable fantasy stuff out of him, but in all likelihood, it'll probably be more like two. You're probably going to end up sitting on him for about a week and a half, before you're like, oh, good, he's over 20 minutes. I'll at least take a look at him now. And he might have a big game mixed in there. He might get in, play 15 minutes, and just start chucking. But we know historically, on this Bucks team, he needs more like 26, 27 minutes to be that, that guy. Freddie Van Fleet uh, sat out Toronto's win in Denver. This is Nuggets are just kind of running out of gas these days, and they have a really tough schedule. I don't know if we see Freddie Van Fleet. If we do, Chris Boucher will not be useful. If we don't, Chris Boucher will be useful. That's the only thing going on with Toronto right now. Freddie Van Fleet's playing time directly impacting Chris Boucher, a center's fantasy value. What a weird world we live in. Nothing on the Nuggets. Nothing on the Kings. They're the same stuff. Fox, Barnes, when Sabonis plays, he's the other guy. When he doesn't, we saw it here. You know, Rashawn Holmes came off the bench. He was ejected. There's something going on with him. I think he's pissed that he lost his gig there, and we know he had some family stuff going on. You know, these other guys are not startable. It's just Fox, Barnes, and Sabonis when he's in there. Womp womp. Utah, same as usual. Uh, You know, Whiteside had a big game here. Rudy Gobert was a late scratch, but again, he's expected back for their next ballgame, so... A big game for Jordan Clarkson with 45, but nothing really changes for the Jazz. And the last two from Saturday, these are an interesting, a couple of interesting ones. We picked up the pace for a lot of the Saturday card. We'll slow it down a little bit here. Washington 
KCP's a guy I think you're starting in all formats, regardless of what else is going on. He's stepped into a bigger role. He's embraced it. He had a bad game against the Lakers the previous night, but he was good here in Portland, and he's generally been good. Don't start a point guard. Raul, uh, Raul Neto, Ish Smith, those guys are splitting the minutes there. I thought Daniel Gafford would be better here with no Porzingis. He's a spot start kind of guy for the most part. Thomas Bryan actually had the slightly better game off the bench. No, I'm not buying in on Corey Kispert. He had a couple of good shooting games, but his other fantasy stuff is lacking. And then Kyle Kuzma is a guy that you've been rolling with for most of the year, so nothing changes there. On the Portland side, we knew Josh Hart was going to wake up eventually. It happened against a bad team. No surprise there. 44 points, career high for Hart on just 21 shots. He was great. Roll with Hart. That's an easy decision. He had a couple of down games. People were moving on. Like, what are you doing, man? He's the only guy left, the last man standing on that team. And then everyone else is a giant question mark. Because Trendon Watford played 38 very good minutes, shot the ball well, made all of his free throws. But we've kind of seen that there are some fantasy holes in his game. So he's, to me, on the fence. I'm leaning towards, in roto formats, picking him up and kind of, seeing what happens here a couple of road games Atlanta's not that great defensively Knicks are a bit better on defense Brooklyn not so much Indiana Detroit coming up it's a five game roadie for the Blazers starting on Sunday they go five games in seven nights which makes a lot of these guys must start dudes for those seven days so that would move Watford into the good side of the the coin Eubanks had a big ball game he's on a third 10-day contract I think now so that should lock him in until Ooh, right around the end of that five games. They might just have to sign him at that point. They probably would. And then Brandon Williams, who took 15 shots, but hasn't been able to make any of them his last two ball games. But he's out there. Dude played 40 minutes. Watford played 38. Eubanks, 38. C.J. Ellaby's got no fantasy game, but he played 37. Those guys are all startable when they play five times in seven nights. The rest of the time, meaning would you use a move today? Only if someone got hurt on your team. Then, yeah, Watford makes sense. It's probably the best substitution if he's on your wire. Brandon Williams would probably be my next choice there because he's going to be a higher usage guy generally. Drew Eubanks doesn't seem like someone who's going to be a high usage player, but he got a little bit more in this ballgame. He'd be the next one down, and then Ella be my least favorite of those starting five, but they're not using their bench at all. And the looming specter of will Justice Winslow play at all the rest of this year? I'm leaning towards no... But he keeps getting ruled out a day in advance, which means they haven't totally shut him down, but he's also not super close. You probably get this whole week out of that same starting lineup. That back-to-back and that five and seven, Josh Hart probably sits at least one of those five, maybe two. And when he's out, Brandon Williams is kind of the only creator left. So he probably moves, he probably jumps over some of the other guys in that spot, at least in terms of the pecking order, who's handling the basketball. You got a lot of questions with Portland. If I'm going to break this thing down, Roto versus head-to-head, which I think is important for a team like this. Josh Hart, you start in all formats whenever you can. If he's going to miss some games, you might just have to kind of grit your teeth and work your way through it. This week, Portland, a four-gamer every other day on the high-traffic nights. I wouldn't use a move on any of these guys today if I hadn't already picked them up last week. If you already have them, just roll with them. But head-to-head, I wouldn't use a move today uh, because you're probably going to need them for injuries. 
So that's the thing. Caveat. I wouldn't use a move today unless I was replacing someone who just got ruled out for a game or two or something like that. Okay, then you're using a move. You're adding one or two games potentially to your week. Then you do it. And Portland's got some good options there. And with the long stream element, you might end up just rolling with a blazer for the next 13 days. That's great. You could roll with them the rest of the season if you wanted to. They have a, one of the best playoff schedules in the NBA, 4-4-4-4. Might not need to go that far. You shouldn't need to go that far. And did anybody play on Friday that we haven't talked about yet? It's like, what's his name? Wimpy on Popeye? Did anybody play on Friday for a hamburger today? Um, Charlotte? I'm sticking with PJ Washington. Not dealing with any of the other forwards there. And... I think that's it. Is that it? Is that possible that there was only one? I always feel like I'm missing one team. I'm sure of it. I'm sure I'm missing some team. Oh, well. You guys will call me on it. Um, Mid-show promo here before we do a very short streaming thing. Um, please do continue to leave five-star reviews on the podcast. We got a couple of them, actually, over the weekend. So big thank you to those of you that jumped in and did that. I know I've been pushing for it here at the end of the year. Those of you that are new listeners... This is actually a huge deal for me. I think we got four or five over the weekend. On iTunes in particular, because when we roll into next draft season, that's when everybody finds their show, if they don't have one already. Anybody new looking for a fantasy podcast, that's when they go hunting for it. Basically like September, October. And if we have a ton of ratings, and they're all really good, and you guys are all subscribed and listening, it kind of helps... It's a, it's a positive feedback loop. It's a snowball effect. So every little review we get now helps later. So please do take 45 seconds to do that. If you need any help on how to do it, hit me up on Twitter. I'm happy to walk you through it because it really does mean a ton to me personally uh, and to the growth of the website, Sports Ethos. So thank you in advance for anybody that is about to do that. Thank you for the handful of you that actually did it towards the end of last week. Love you guys a ton. That just means the world to me. Uh, check out our other partners as well. Manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20. Get 20% off and free shipping. MyBookie.ag. We've actually got a bunch of stuff to tell you about. I will tell you about it tomorrow. MyBookie running some promos for March Madness. So let the mayhem begin. Uh, there is a crazy March Madness bracket challenge going on. Woo. It opened up today. It opens up today, and it closes on Thursday. So I'll tell you all about it tomorrow, but there are 750 prizes being given out. The first place prize, one Bitcoin. You guys know what Bitcoin's at these days? It's like $40,000. Yeah, it's a pretty good prize. I'll tell you all about that over at MyBookie tomorrow. So I'll tell you how to sign up with them over there. And of course, expressvpn.com forward slash hoopball. That's the specialty link you can use to sign up there. You get 15 months for the price of 12. A bonus, a bonus, three months on your one-year annual subscription. Let me take four minutes here to tell you about streaming stuff. I do want to get this show wrapped up. I try to go a little quicker here during this time of the year because I know we all have a lot of stuff. We want to tinker with our lineups, get rolling back into it. It's not so much a long view time of the season. Streaming. We've do we're doing it two days at a time. But I'm going to make it really simple for you. Don't. No one in the NBA has a back-to-back. -back. 
today. No one. Not one team. No one in the NBA goes 5-7. and seven. No one in the NBA goes 6-9 and nine because you need to have a back-to-back to get that started. No one in the NBA goes three times in four nights. There is literally no reason to stream today other than replacing an injured player. Because it's the beginning of the week, you do not want to ride an injured player into your week unless they are a very significant part of your lineup. I'll give you an example of one. We've already seen a number of guys have been ruled out tonight. Danilo Gallinari, John Collins. Well, John Collins is a pretty good player, but he's been out for a couple of ball games here. Uh, Rob Covington out in this one again for personal reasons. Uh, there's another one. Oh, Jalen Suggs is questionable. We'll get more information on that a little bit later. Let's say Suggs is ruled out, or we can talk about Gallinari or something like that. Let's say you add Gallinari. I actually picked him up in a league yesterday because I was planning on riding him yesterday and then throughout this week, five games in, in eight days. That was something that I was sitting on. I move on from him. I'll move on from him uh, because now I, I have a Gallo who's not putting up giant numbers, who's looking at a three-game week. I can make a move. I can guarantee a four-game week with one move. If there's any chance Gallo misses another game this week, then my move gets me two games. It's one plus. That's what we're always looking for. Remember, we're always looking for one plus in moves. The only reason you don't do it, you don't replace the injured guy, is if you have an overflow today anyway. And then that could happen a little bit. It's a medium, pretty good size Monday card. Not gigantic, but pretty good size. And, and if you were long streaming, you probably set yourself up to have a pretty big start to this week. So you might have a little bit of overflow. Jalen Suggs, absolutely positively I would move on today. He's questionable for their game tomorrow in a three-game week. Meaning, best-case scenario, you get three games. What do we think questionable is? If we, if we say questionable is a 50-50 proposition, that means he's 50-50 to have a two-game week. And I could make one move today to flip that into a four-gamer. Look at all, I mean, look at all the teams we talked about today that have four games this week. If Suggs misses a game at any game at any point this week, and the guy you picked up plays four... You just gain two games by making that move. So that's the. these are the only times, and, and there will be news that breaks throughout today. We haven't had the West Coast, like the 1 p.m. news drops on who's questionable for tonight. I think Freddie Van Vliet is questionable tonight. You're not going to drop him, but would be nice if you had overflow to sort of back that up. It's not the point. I'm getting sidetracked here. Lots of questionable players tonight. LeBron, Zach Levine, Freddie Van Vliet, uh, Laurie Markkinen, Andrew Wiggins. These are guys you're not going to drop. But some of these other ones, you are. Because if you can add two games to your week with one roster move, you pretty much always do it. Except for guys inside the top 50. Sometimes higher than that. But if we set the lower bar at that, at like top 50, and Andrew Wiggins would not be, you know, the, the it's not a good example of this because... You could move on, you know, I, like I would consider moving on from a lot of Warriors after Wednesday. Remember, they don't play again. They have three days off in the middle of this week. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they don't play. But we'll get to that. We're not there yet. You're looking ahead. And there aren't any teams that go three times the final four days of this week. So you would only be adding one game by moving on from a Warrior, even though they're off for three days during that span. You'd have to move make a couple of moves, and then maybe come back to a dub because, as we talked about, their schedule gets better. But today, 
The only reason you're making a move is to replace an injured player on your team. Tomorrow, there are a couple of short long stream options. We mentioned it earlier in the show, Brooklyn and Phoenix. They play back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday. Phoenix goes four times the rest of the week. So there's a little bit of flexibility there, but not many options to stream on the Suns. Aaron Holiday is probably the only one. JaVale McGee is maybe your secondary option there, who you could pick up, stream for uh, six days, four games in six days, and then move on. But that would also set you up to make a move on Monday of next week. Not something we like to do in long streaming very much. Brooklyn, while actually less flexibility, they go... Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, so you'd want to move on on Saturday, you can set yourself up a little bit better for the following week if you're able to still use that move this week. This isn't a great week for streaming, folks. At least not in the front end of it. Things get a little bit more interesting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mostly Friday, Sunday. And then next week, you have a lot of mishmash schedules. That's a great week for streaming. So let's stay above water. People in your league are probably going to be streaming this week, and they're probably going to be doing it wrong, which is why if you guys just replace injured players, that might be your most effective way to stream. Just make sure you don't get any zeros, and you'll probably do better than your opponent on games played. While they're, like, basically shuffling the deck, rearranging deck chair on the Titanic kind of thing. Like, oh, I made a move here, I made a move there. This is a week where you could use all four of your weekly moves on one roster slot, and you might gain three games out of it. If you use yours on replacing injured players, you're still looking at more like five, six, seven games added or five, six, seven games missed, avoided. We'll talk more about that on social. As per usual, I want to put a pin in this thought until tomorrow. Enjoy the Monday, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, Sports Ethos presentation. Please do, if you have a moment, drop a five-star review on it. I am Dan Vespers. Talk to you on Twitter. And then again, pod tomorrow. Hit that subscribe button, by the way, if you haven't done that yet. Okay, for real this time. Bye-bye.